MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 30th, 2020. Today, Martha McSally goes bye-bye. Trump threatens to veto the defense bill, and I think I know why. Pardon Palooza has officially begun with the pardoning of Corn, the Turkey, and Flynn, who lobbied for Turkey. Carter Page sues the FBI and the Department of Justice. That's hilarious. Trump loses all the recounts he paid for, along with nearly all of his post-election garbage lawsuits. The NRA executives admit to using nonprofit funds to enrich themselves. I know I'm shocked. And Trump appears to be sabotaging the Georgia runoffs. And I'm here for it. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Oh, it's good to be back. Thanks, everyone, for letting us take a little bit of a break. Um, I know I said I might do news updates. I just didn't. And there was no book club. But there will be this week. We're all back on this week. And so is Dana. How are you? I am good. And I feel uh, like uh, so appreciative of the days, too. I feel a little bit re-energized. I feel like we can get back. You know, we, we're taking the baton back. So for those of you that held it for us, we appreciate it. Um, but I'm, I'm really good. So things are things are good right now. Ah, yes. We're taking the baton back in the shit show lullaby relay. And it's actually, um, the news seems to be getting better and better. Don't, and don't you have... dare. Don't you dare ruin this for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some shit going on, but it's starting to get so funny. I mean, come on, the tiny desk. Oh my God. And the fact that his, the, the color of his face matched the varnish, I don't feel like we spent <sighs> enough time on, but the tiny desk, somebody hates him. Why would you not? I was actually, I talked to Mary. I would, why would you not walk in there? You are the president of the United States of America and go, can I get a real, can I get a, can I get a human, like a, like a, like a human adult sized desk? Can I get one of those things? And all of the memes, I, like the one where you, Milton Waddams is sitting at the desk. Oh you know, my God. I, I all can't, of them. You cannot move my desk, please. I need my stapler. And um, the play school set. And then of course I, my, my tweet went viral with the, this tiny desk concert sucks and it was just so so good so good it was it, it's the new tiny desk is the new total landscaping which is wonderful when that like when the joy of those starts you know when we start to forget because we can't have nice things but we start to we start to forget the joy of those moments they really do hand us a new one like i cannot wait for our next present what's next yeah oh it's gonna be so good it's gonna be like an exploding sharpie or something and we'll cover it We'll cover it for you right here on the Daily Beans. Um, All right. Well, we do have a lot of news to get to. uh, And there's some interesting news, some funny news, some weird news. A lot of things happened over the weekend. We're going to try to cover most of it. Um, And, uh, you know, we'll do the best that we can. It was a a pretty, for a holiday, there was a lot of shit that happened. So let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, got a couple lead stories. This all has to do with post-election crap. Um, first of all, Trump appears to be sabotaging Georgia. We knew from last week, uh, you know, he he's been saying, you know, Raffensperger and Kemp are trash and and don't you mail-in ballots suck. And and he convinced twenty four thousand Republicans not to vote, pretty much because he scared them out of it. And that is one of the reasons, um, you know, one of the things that helped push Biden over uh, to flip Georgia. 
Um, you know, but I'm not going to take any anything away from the incredible voters that that turned out. And uh, so we know about that sabotage. And then Ronna McDaniel tried to have a press conference down there about the Loeffler, um, Purdue, Warnock, Ossoff runoffs, right? And they were the, 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 she was like, no, everyone needs to vote. And they're like, no, for Trump, yeah, no, the voting machines, we can't vote. <laughs> and she's like, no, we really need you to vote. And they're like, nah, boycott this bullshit. And she's like, no, please don't do that. And they were just giving her the hardest time, and it was so delicious. And today, Trump went on, I think it was Fox News, and he w- was bitching about Brian Kemp again and said the elections are fucked up and the Dominion machines are fucked up and Raffensperger is fucked up and the Republicans fucked him over. And it just sounds to me now like, and this would be interesting to ask Mary Trump about because, he, you know, he was doing this whole like not allowing the transition to happen because right. he wanted to get revenge on the Democrats. But now he's pissed at Republicans right. for not helping him steal the election. And he's taking it out on them. He could be trying to sabotage Mitch McConnell's uh, um, majority in the Senate by trying to fuck up this Georgia race. And I am all 100% for this. It's the circular firing squad, Dana. Yes. Since before you've come on the show, I've been like, this is like the mob, but with more rats. They aren't as loyal no. as the mob. And they w- it will be their undoing, trying to take each other down, tear each other apart on the way out. And it's... It's this is what's happening. Um, he's lost a bunch more lawsuits. I think he's uh, one in 39 now or one in 40. Uh, I have to double check the latest tally. But the big ones were the Third Circuit uh, Court of Appeals rejected uh, his appeal. And that opinion was scathing as well. And that was written by a Trump appointee named Bibus or Bibus. And he was like, yeah, no, um, this is what the voters said. And Giuliani, they quoted, they keep quoting Giuliani every time Giuliani brings up in court that this isn't a fraud case. And uh, they have no evidence. So yeah. fuck you, we're not going to overturn the election. And then the, he lost the Pennsylvania that, you know, they were trying to get to stop the certification in Pennsylvania. And they've lost that went all the way up to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And they were like, nah, bro. And so he just keeps losing, um, and it's 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 not it doesn't look good. And there was a great piece in in the Washington Post about the twenty days between the election, and you know twenty days after, and and all of the shit that went down. You should really check that out if you get a chance. It'll be in the newsletter. Uh, and the finally final little bit of good news is that because of Arizona law, when it's a special election for senator, which it is between Mark Kelly and Martha McSally. Uh, because she was appointed, not elected, because uh, she, you know, she was the governor, Doug Ducey, you know, anointed her to be the senator after McCain's passing, even though she lost previously to Kirsten Cinema. Uh, so she's a multiple time loser herself. Uh, because of Arizona law, they swear their new senator in on November 30th. They don't wait until January 3rd or January 6th or, you know, the 117th Congress. So as of tomorrow, well, today, we will have uh, Mark Kelly and Martha McSally will be gone. So wonderful. You know, Martha's, she said, you know, and listen, if you, anyone who believes in organized religion, you do you, but she's always like, uh, God has a plan for me. You know, I didn't get here the easy way. I'm like, actually, you got here the easiest way possible. The seat was handed to you. Um, But you know what? If God has a plan, you can start that plan tomorrow, young lady. You can just get right on that plan immediately. Yeah, because the plan was not to be a senator. Twice. Twice. The plan (laughs) was not to be a senator. Twice. You're talking about how Trump, um, with this Georgia thing, 
And AG, one of the things I think that's interesting that we're learning is Trump's an arsonist. He's not good at controlled burns. So Mm -hmm. this isn't a controlled burn. He's going to burn everything down. And that includes a a party that he had no affiliation to before he became the president of the United States. He doesn't give a shit about Republicans either. So it will be really interesting to see. None of them. He'll burn down anyone who did not prop him up. And that includes McConnell. I think you're absolutely right. My beans are on that too. I hope it happens. I really do. Mm -hmm. It'd be beautiful. Yep. Yep. Oh, we, um, speaking of, speaking of people that are burning everything down, um, I like to start this one off by the NRA has shot itself in the foot. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) Shot itself in the junk. Thanks. I'll be here all week. Try that. Don't try the veal if you're a vegetarian. Just order a (laughs) portobello sandwich. Okay. Yes. This one's from the Washington Post. I actually really do love this story. After years of denying allegations of lax financial oversight, the National Rifle Association has made, I like that they say in this article, a stunning declaration and a new tax filing. Current and former executives used the nonprofit group's money for personal benefit and enrichment. Now, the only (laughs) people that this is a stunning declaration to are the people that think the NRA is a good organization. None of us are surprised Mm -hmm. by this. We are surprised that they admitted it. Uh, That's it. And as I tweeted, the declaration isn't stunning. That they declared it is stunning. Absolutely. (laughs) The the NRA has said in this filing that it continues to review. We're going to look into this. This what they said we're going to look into this we're going to continue to review the alleged abuse of funds as Mm -hmm. a tax-exempt organization curtails services and runs up multi-million dollar legal bills so they're just burying themselves right now which is beautiful uh the assertion of impropriety comes four months after the attorney general of new york state filed a lawsuit accusing nra chief executive wayne lapierre and other top executives of using nra funds for decades to provide inflated salaries and expense accounts, not to mention probably propping up several Republican senators and Congress people in this country. But that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. Uh, so this tax return that they did, which the Washington Post obtained from the organization itself, says the NRA, quote, became aware... <laughs> They became aware, bullshit, they became aware during 2019 of a significant diversion of its assets. Mm. Really? Where are our assets, AG? Where have they gone? Yeah. And this is just a cover your ass legal maneuver saying we were unaware of this happening until 2019. And now we're now we're trying to clean it up. Oh, yeah. We're going to we're going to cover our bases here. Uh, The 2019 filing states that LaPierre and five former executives received excess benefits, a term the IRS uses to describe executives enriching themselves at the expense of a nonprofit entity. Churches, excuse me, New York lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> New York lawyer and expert on nonprofits, Daniel Kurtz, said it's a smart move by the NRA instead of digging in their heels, though who knows how they came up with the numbers. And it's an admission of wrongdoing for sure. So that's a start. But seriously, I want to I want to know how much impropri- impropriety they actually um, gave on their tax rate, you know, to the IRS. Was it a very small number? Was it the real number? I'm not I'm going to say it was might they might have rounded down would be my guess. Math. By like three zeros, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's 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 hilarious because this is simply a CYA move. This is a cover your ass move so that when they get uh, indicted, 
you know, for, for breaking these tax laws, these nonprofit laws, they can say, no, 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 we didn't know about it until 2019. We put that in, on paper. We wrote it down so it's real. And we reported that they did the illegal stuff. So <laughs> so we're, we're clear now. Yep. We're, we're yeah. telling you we did it. Yeah. I'll show yeah. you where the body is. Don't arrest me. <laughs> Pretty much. That's going to be the, the cooperation agreement. Uh, next up, Trump is threatening to veto the National Defense Authorization Act. That comes up every year. It's what funds the military and multiple, like multitudes of things. And uh, in this particular budget, we know that they were going to authorize changing the names of Confederate bases. And, in, you know, that's in the wake of the, the George Floyd uh, movement and so and the Black Lives Matter protests. And so. And it's and it's been a long time coming, honestly. And a lot of people are saying that the reason Trump wants to threaten to veto this NDAA this year is because of those Confederate base name changes. I don't think that's necessarily it. What I think it is, is there's a provision in this NDAA that doesn't that that stops allowing companies from saying where they get their money from, dark money from. By exposing, you know, shell companies, you would have to report there would no longer be a thing. You couldn't have anonymous shell companies anymore. And that is where criminals hide money laundering activity is through shell companies. And that is what Trump does for a living when he's not losing the rest of his money. He 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 sells real estate in his properties for cash to Russians, for example, who then turn around and sell them immediately. And. And so then all of that money is moved through these shell companies and that would, you know, so you can't, it can't be traced. You can't follow the money. That is why I think Trump is vetoing this bill. Not because, I mean, granted, he probably wants the Confederate bases to keep the Confederate names, but I think it's more about the exposure of money laundering activity that could come from it. I would bet you're a hundred percent right, my dear. It makes total sense. Yeah. So that's that's what's going on with the NDAA. We'll keep you posted on on that and if the real actual reason comes out. But right now, the public reporting is the Confederate bases, which I am also 100% for. For sure. Take him away. Of course, he doesn't want to sign that. Uh, this is one's really interesting. So we all know who Carter Page is. So the former Trump campaign <laughs> foreign policy advisor, Carter Page, has filed a $75 million dollar lawsuit against the FBI Justice Department and the former FBI Director James Comey, claiming he was the victim of unlawful spying during the Bureau's Russia investigation. Now, listen, I do understand that Donald Trump was more obsessed with Carter Page's text messages than I am, like, with my own girlfriends, but this is lawsuit's actually ridiculous. The lawsuit filed Friday accuses the FBI of relying excessively on information compiled by Christopher Steele, who we all know is a former British spy, and that the Bureau failed to tell the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court that Steele's primary source contradicted information that Steele attributed to him. So one suit also claims FBI misled the court about his relationship with the CIA. And also, Kevin Kleinsmith, who is an ex-FBI lawyer, pleaded guilty, if we remember back in August, to altering an email saying that Page had not been a source of the CIA when he actually was. Uh, This email used an application to renew a wiretap on Page. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, those those are his claims. And it's actually... Not as bad a lawsuit as, say, something Sidney Powell or or Rudy Giuliani <laughs> would file, because the you know the Inspector General Horowitz did find seventeen errors with that FISA application, right? 
Uh, and it was Rosenstein who signed off on him. Um, but, you know, he is and has been arrested and questioned for hanging out with Russian spies. And some of the Russian spies he was conspiring with back in 2010, 2011 are in jail and the rest are on the lam. Um, he's a he's a known Russian asset. It's not that's not in question. But, you know, if he wants to try to sue the FBI for saying the FISA was illegally obtained on him. He has every right to. That it he does. It's good. It's going to be hard. I mean, he's got some good evidence because of the errors. But Horowitz, the inspector general, found that the FISA application would have probably gone forward as it was if without any of those mistakes or without Klein Smith's email changing, because at the time he was no longer working for the CIA. And so, he, you know, it's or should say working with the CIA. So it's it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens from this lawsuit. We'll follow it for you. It is. <laughs> Uh, 75 million? Mm. That's a big chunk of change. <laughs> That's maybe a little excessive. That might actually be closer to the amount of money that the NRA has funneled into their own pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, and finally, we know Trump pardoned Flynn on Thanksgiving Eve, making that two turkeys. He's pardoned. And I'll be joined next by the co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. We're going to discuss the legal aspects of the pardon, what we can expect next, all your pardon questions, well, most of them will be answered. Probably not all, but we'll get, it'll be pretty close. It's Andrew Torres. He's very thorough. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the Daily Beans. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Echelon. They provide the best and connected fitness at an affordable price. So if you're like me, you spend most of your time at home, we're in lockdown, trying not to become too sedentary. And of course, you know, the gyms are all closed, thank goodness. I recommend you check out Echelon today because personally, when I'm not being as active as I'd like, I start to crave that rush of endorphins. It it gets to my mental health. I really need that exercise. And Echelon prides itself on being able to help you achieve your fitness goals as well. Their service is amazing. One Echelon membership lets up to five household members enjoy the benefits. And I love the huge variety of equipment and programs they offer. Echelon has connected bikes that give you an immersive studio experience like you're in spin class. They have smart rowers that take you down the best waterways in the world and they have the reflect smart mirrors for personal training at the touch of a button which i love and there's just one app that connects them all echelon united provides access to all content through echelon's products and they have thousands of on-demand classes with 30 plus accredited world-class trainers and they have guest and celebrity pop-in instructors as well you can work out with the echelon community too so you can inspire each other for a little competition climb the leaderboards echelon has been featured in women's health and cosmo time people Uh, the wall street journal says echelon has cracked the code Yahoo Finance says Echelon is where fitness and technology unite at a price you can afford. And that's the big part of it. So if you want to turn things around, get in the best shape of your life, check out echelonfit.com today. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Joining me today to discuss all things pardons as we have now entered the pardon palooza phase of the lame duck session is the co-host of Opening Arguments, real life lawyer and real life friend of mine, Andrew Torres. How are you? I'm fantastic, AJ. How are you? I am good. I'm wonderful today. Uh, let's, uh, let's kick this off because there seems to be a lot of confusion about pardons and corrupt pardons and challenging pardons. And there's a few things that everyone seems to be very joyous about. And one of those things is that apparently by accepting a pardon, uh, that means you have your, it's an admission of guilt. 
Uh, and so can you tell me about that and also who cares? <laughs> you know, the second half of your question is really the best part of this question, right? Because to the extent that this aphorism means anything, it definitely falls into the who cares category. So, um, super quickly, the reason people are saying that it, you have to accept a pardon, which is true, and that acceptance of a pardon is acceptance of guilt um, dates back to a 1915 Supreme Court case, right? Called Burdick versus United States. And essentially what the Burdick case and, and subsequent cases we're, we're trying to resolve is does receiving a presidential pardon wipe out the, all of the guilt that came with that offense with, for which you were being pardoned, right? So in other words, when you're applying for a security clearance, when you're listing on a bar application, right? Do you have to list, oh, I murdered three people, but I got pardoned for that. Or can you just like, you know, ixnay on the erder may, right? <laughs> and, and, and this is where the language comes from, that getting a pardon wipes out the consequences of the crime, right? But it does not wipe out the, the imputation that comes from the fact that, right, right, like you're still a murderer. You accepted the pardon. And it's led to some, what you might consider high profile corner cases where people who are conscientious subjectors that wish to maintain their innocence, uh, have very consciously refused to accept a pardon. Right. Um, and one of the most prominent instances of refusing to accept a, a pardon, um, and you know, if if you think that the uh, centrist talking about you know healing America now were bad, right? Like it was floated in the 19th century that Jefferson Davis should apply for a presidential pardon after the end of the Civil War, right? Um, and uh, the the post civil war congress was like yeah we we don't we don't think we would permit uh, you know we, they didn't grant legislative amnesty right and so people were saying no nah, you should apply and you know we'll get a conciliatory president in there and he'll grant you a pardon uh and and jefferson davis said um it has been said that i should apply to the united states for pardon but repentance must precede the right of pardon and i have not repented uh remembering <laughs> as it must all of which has been suffered all of which has been lost disappointed hopes and crushed aspirations yet i deliberately say if it were to do over again i would do just as i did in 1861 right so okay right you've got um that's kind of the uh, the old timey view of, you know, philosophically, is it important to maintain your innocence? Um, that's all well and good, but like Donald Trump and his cronies don't care about that. Right. Like, so, you know, so yes, uh, you have to accept a pardon. Yes. Accepting a pardon carries with it an imputation of guilt, um, in the sense that, Michael Flynn was a scumbag pre-pardon. He's a scumbag post-pardon. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't really see it's, it's not like it triggers some kind of magic proceedings, right? Like it is, um, <laughs> you can, you can refuse. And there have been folks who have said, uh, I will not voluntarily place this pardon forward, right? Like I won't advance it. If you, you know, the president can issue me one, but I'm going to continue to, you know, serve in civil disobedience or, or things like that. So, so that's what that means. It, it, it does not mean, you know, anything beyond that in terms of, uh, you know, like 
keeping Donald Trump out of the Hall of Presidents later on if if uh, you know he gets convicted of something or or uh, or if he accepts a pardon. So um, so I think who cares is absolutely the right question to ask there. Yeah, and I can't understand why go through all of this um, for a sentence that would have been less than six months probably. Uh, and the only thing that I can keep thinking of is for because Trump's pardon is self-serving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Um, it, uh, this is, you know, I spent I've talked about this on the show, but I mean, I spent hundreds of hours of, of my time and firm time writing an amicus brief in the Flynn case saying and, and, and I'm uh, I don't regret that time spent at all. Right. Uh, because the point of the amicus brief was to say that after you, Michael Flynn, has have twice uh, confessed to making false statements to the Department of Justice uh, in open court, freely and voluntarily, uh, that no, just because, you know, you have buddies at the highest levels of power, um, they don't get to pull the strings, overrule the line prosecutors and move to dismiss that case and 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 thereby exonerate you. Right. And thereby say, um, yeah, no, I, the, this should never have been brought in the first place. Um, it, it was never about making Flynn spend any time in in prison. It was about vindicating the rule of law. And, um, you know, and and we've done that. And and I, there will, you know, I. The people who think Michael Flynn's a hero, like that wouldn't have changed if he'd have done six months or one day or, you know, times. Well, there was no time served because he's never set foot in a prison. But right. That wasn't going to change. No. Right. And um, speaking of scumbags, <laughs> criminal scumbags, um, does now another thing that people are seemingly excited about is that apparently accepting a pardon means you can't take the fifth. And so, you know, we have Ted Lieu saying he would strengthen the inherent contempt rules in Congress and subpoena Flynn to come in now that he's got a pardon and he can't take the fifth. But hasn't he been a I mean, he hasn't been able to take the fifth technically for a while now. Yeah, that's exactly right. So here's the way that works. Right. Um, your right to, to take five. Right. Is uh your right not to to incriminate yourself, right? And to incriminate yourself, there must be a potential criminal liability to which you could be subjected, right? And so a longstanding prosecutorial tactic when witnesses uh, plead the Fifth Amendment is to grant them immunity in connection with the thing that they would say that their testimony uh, might otherwise lead them to incriminate themselves, right? Okay, so like if Flynn wanted to come in and testify about violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act, yep, uh, 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 you know, with the turkey stuff or whatever, uh, that crime, he was given immunity from being prosecuted for exactly right and so he would say right if 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 flynn uh when compelled to take the stand said i refuse to testify on the grounds that anything i say might tend to incriminate myself uh, the prosecutor would then uh say uh, mr flynn you have been granted immunity in connection with those crimes. So therefore, uh, respectfully answer my questions. And then he would either answer the questions or be guilty of contempt of court. 
Right. And presumably those questions have already been answered in proffer. Yeah, of course they have. We know there are records of what he has said uh, with respect to uh, the the Turkish government, uh, Erdogan, uh, with respect to Bijan Kian. Right. All, that information is known, um, even though it is not presently public Um Hopefully, uh, uh, the the uh, you know it's not being destroyed by Bill Barr as we speak, uh, but uh, but that information is is in fact known. So so yes, right? Like this is another example I think where the uh, where the internet and Ted Lou and I love Ted Lou, uh, you know, but Ted Lou is sometimes over exuberant on things. Yeah. No. So so presumably, if 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 Flynn. If part of his proffer and part of his deal said, yeah, I talked to Kislyak, we put an ixnay on the sanctions, and I also talked to, I lobbied some other countries to vote uh, for that Egypt thing, uh, and uh, Trump knew about all that, and Trump knew about the calls. That's an That would implicate Trump, right? Yep. And, and so this whole time, this whole past two and a half years, they could have dragged him into Congress and asked him those questions, and he presumably wouldn't have been able to take the fifth on that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So so the, the key takeaway here is that, y- yes, uh, being pardoned for offenses means that there is nothing left for which you could have been incriminated. Uh, but in the Flynn case... He he had a plea deal that already wiped out most of the, his exposure to most of the questions that that might be asked. Now, is there a potential like kind of corner case uh, on um, you know specifically, uh, for example, related to Michael Flynn Jr.? Uh, there there might be, uh, but but I have to say like the likelihood that uh, DOJ was going to go after that. Uh, it was already vanishingly low, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, yeah, he got a, a tiny bit more Fifth Amendment protection in crimes that the people, you know, Ted Lou tweeting about this don't care about, right? The core mm-hmm. stuff, Flynn's relation to Trump, he was already not subject, right? He couldn't, you can't incriminate yourself more than having pled guilty to a thing, right? Mm, right, <laughs> right, or twice. That's the way to think about it. And yeah. and also, um. I mean, I guess the only thing really that makes a difference there is not the pardon at the timing of the pardon. It's the timing of when Trump leaves office, because it, presumably if you bring Flynn in after January 20th, 2021, and he takes the fifth when he's not allowed to and you hold him in contempt or he lies, um, then you've got a, a Section 18, 1001, uh, Title 18, you know, 1001. You've got a lie to Congress charge, and that's happened post pardon and which leads me to my next question can you it, he, this isn't a pardon for future crimes correct yeah that's not a thing um you know that's that's well yeah that's the purge right like you 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 can't prospectively authorize people to commit crimes that would be a fun society to live in but it, it's not the, it's not the one that we live in so yeah now that's not explicitly explained in the uh, constitution is it just assumed so Let's talk about, I mean, and, and I think part of the reason why all of these sort of corner questions come up is because th- this is an area that, that's not well litigated and it's not well litigated, right? Because Richard Nixon didn't abuse the presidential pardoning power, right? Like, I mean, th- this is something where norms really have kept us in check, even in the most corrupt of administrations, uh, excepting now, right? So 
all of this comes from a single dependent clause in a run-on sentence that is Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, which says that the president, and, and hopefully you can hear the capitals in my voice as I read this, right, shall have the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment, right? And that's it, right? Like, and so to figure out, like, like the constitution doesn't define what a pardon is, doesn't define what a, what a reprieve is. Right. So you, you really have to go back and look or at the word grant. Yeah. Right. Know, for I, that matter. Any of that. Right. So, but it does specify, yeah, it must be an offense against the United States. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, gr- linguistically the tense of the language suggests that it is present, uh, and, and past, but not, but not future. Yeah, because I I have it in my head. I have a a scenario in my head where he does commit a crime after Trump leaves office and is brought on charges and he tries to pass his pardon off as, you know, covering that as well. And I guess that is when that that would be litigated. I don't think it ever has. Um, But I do want to talk more about litigating pardons and challenging pardons. uh, But I need to take a quick break. Will you stick around with me? Of course. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. As a listener of the podcast, you know how much I love the podcasts. Bruce Willis and Boobs, they are absolutely the best cats ever. Uh, but I do not love their litter box. It stinks, it's bad, and everyone who has cats knows, unless you're gone nose blind to it, which you might have. But you can smell the cat boxes. Uh, you have to clean them up, you have to cover up the smell, it's a battle. And that's why I love Pretty Litter. I just started using this. It's this kitty litter. It's reinvented, like... It's amazing. Unlike traditional litter, Pretty Litter Super Light Crystals trap odor and they release moisture, so it results in dry, low-maintenance litter that doesn't smell. You cannot smell it. And Pretty Litter is virtually dust-free because it's manufactured with a specialized de-dusting process. Less dust, no fuss. Uh, Pretty Litter arrives safely at my door in a small, lightweight bag so I don't have to go to the store. It lasts up to a month. Now that I get litter bags auto-shipped, I don't have to deal again with the trips to the store, which is wonderful. And shipping is free. But above all else, here's why Pretty Litter is the parent's hero. It's a health indicator. It's like mood litter. Pretty Litter monitors my cat's health by changing colors when it detects potential underlying issues. You will not find that innovation in conventional litter. So now, Bruce Willis and Boobs can have the best litter ever, and I can have peace of mind too. So get the world's smartest litter without leaving home by visiting prettylitter.com and using promo code DAILYBEANS. You'll get 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off. Again, prettylitter.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking to Andrew Torres, co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Real Life Lawyer, friend of mine. And we're talking about pardons. Pardon Palooza has begun. Um, and before uh, we left for the break, I, I had uh, said I wanted to discuss corrupt pardons and their challengeability in, in court. Um, and first of all, we haven't seen the language of this pardon yet. We've only seen a tweet and a press release. Um, and the press release seems to indicate that the pardon is only for this lying charge and uh, talking to Kislyak and any of that. Um, but we don't know the actual language of the pardon, and that's going to come in handy uh, a little bit later. But can corrupt pardons be challenged in court? That's that's the main question. And, and first of all, is Flynn going to need leave of court to use his pardon in the Sullivan matter, for example? So, again, let me tackle that the second half of your question first. Um, I, I, I don't know whether it would be leave of court, um, but 
procedurally, right, that what will happen in the Flynn case is uh, there there will be probably a hilariously misspelled motion from Sidney Powell um, in, in the district court. Oh my gosh, uh, that that attaches the text of the actual pardon, right, and says um, therefore, and and and, and she's going to be right about this, right, which you know. God help me. Uh, there's now going to be audio uh, evidence of me saying that Sidney Powell was right about something. Um, <laughs> but 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 it's going to say and again, I'm not trying to help Sidney Powell practice law, but like it, it unless she's unless she's well, let me not even give the unless she may not know to do this. Here's what I would do if I were representing Michael Flynn. Mm. You file a motion that says uh, to to dismiss that says uh, this case is moot and therefore this court lacks federal jurisdiction uh, to continue uh, uh, this matter. Um, and the reason is I, I see Sidney Powell somewhere right now feverishly taking notes on what you just said. It, she should. Uh, because it's right, uh, because once you have been pardoned for an offense, right, there's nothing left for the court to do, right? Because you don't have a case in controversy because of the thing that I mentioned at the start of this episode, right, which at the start of this interview, which was um, that all of the consequences of your criminal act have have been expunged, right? And the thing that we have that that is the defining characteristic of our federal court system is that they don't resolve advi- and issue advisory opinions, right? Like there must be relief. There's got to be a thing that they can do for you as a person uh, in order for that case to go forward. And mm. w- 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 right. And there's now not a thing that they can do. There's nothing they can do for you. There's nothing they can do against you. Therefore, doesn't matter like if it leaves everything up in the air or indeterminate um this isn't a live case in controversy anymore and so uh the an article 3 court like judge Emmett Sullivan of the US District Court for the District of Columbia like no longer has the constitutional power to maintain that case that's what they're going to do so so Sullivan couldn't say mm, I don't accept your pardon I believe it's unconstitutional and give an argument as to why and continue on with sentencing. He wouldn't be able to do that. Well, to, to the contrary, what, what it means is that Sullivan has to look at, right? Because this is an argument that says you do not have the power to go forward anymore. Well, you, you have to be convinced that that's correct. So totally obvious example. Um, suppose someone writes, uh, a uh, Trump pardoned me on a napkin. Right. And they submit, right. It's, and it's a total forgery, right? Like, well, mm. obviously the court would have to look at the substance of the pardon and see like, is, is this a forgery? Is this pardon? Does this cover the offense for which, uh, this person is, is presently in my courtroom? Um, now I, 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 I do not mean to suggest that I think, that inquiry is likely to go kind of beyond those sort of bare ministerial procedural steps. Um, but, but it's not true to say, right? Like, I mean, you and I had this conversation. It's not true to say that there's no inquiry, right? Like that, that, that there's no mechanism. Um, the problem is that when you start to look at like the history of pardons, even pardons that seem obviously procured by, by fraud or like 
uh, obviously a terrible idea, you know, antithetical to the fundamental underpinnings of the Republic. Um, I, you know, like I went back and I looked at Federalist number 74 when, you know, Alexander Hamilton was sort of laying out like, what well, what does it mean when we say uh, that the president has the power to pardon people? And and they talked about a competing that the framers uh, in the Federalist Papers talked about a competing proposal um, that said, uh, OK, the president should have the power to pardon anybody um, unless they've committed treason. And if they've committed treason, uh, then it needs like the advice and consent of the Senate or something like that. Right. Like there should there should be some kind of other trigger mechanism. Um, and Federalist 74 says, no, no um, we we want the, the president to be able to pardon people who are guilty of treason. Um, so I, you know, is that, uh, it sort of harkens back to judge Sullivan, uh, looking at Michael Flynn and saying, you know, you, you arguably sold out your country, um, which, uh, uh, I think judge Sullivan is correct on that one. Um, but, uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think, I, I don't know of a single case, uh, in which a pardon has ever been overturned because it was corruptly procured. And I, and I think that, um, that those efforts are not likely to prevail. Um, but, but, but those, I mean, it, it, it's not to say that it's improper to make the argument. Right. And right. And, and here, here's my, here's my question about that, because I'm sitting here thinking about how to ch- challenge this pardon. I, I don't know that the pardon is challengeable, but perhaps the pardoning is challengeable. Meaning, for example, we know that Trump fired Comey and we know that um, that Robert Mueller found that to be obstruction of justice. And, you know, even though Trump has the uh, Article Two powers to fire the FBI director for any reason he wants, he can't do it for corrupt purposes. The, pre- the, the president's powers do not allow for them to be wielded for corrupt purposes. So if we're getting back to the the Flynn pardon, I'm, I, I suppose perhaps a future, you know, Department of Justice prosecutor could file an obstruction of justice uh, charge against Trump and include this pardon as obstruction of justice. But that wouldn't negate the pardon. It wouldn't it wouldn't make Flynn back on the hook for the crimes. You, you know what I mean? It would be, you know, that he shouldn't suffer that, uh, you know, any he should i guess his pardon should still stand but perhaps trump making it is a crime and uh, so i i agree with that and i i would add where where i think it's an it's an even better fit uh and this works potentially bidirectionally and with respect to Flynn, it would depend upon the language of the pardon itself, which, you know, some some White House staffer is drafting as we speak. Yeah, let's get into that, because if the, 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 <laughs> I mentioned this earlier because the language of the pardon is just for, you know, the 1001 charges uh, yeah. or the counterintelligence investigation uh, into Flynn, then a future Department of Justice prosecutor could file FARA charges against uh uh, Flynn, and they could pro- possibly file uh, charges that would probably bring back up the Bijan Kian case, and then they could also probably file charges against Flynn's son. There's a, there was a whole kidnapping plot. I don't know how far that went, or if it's if yep. it's a chargeable crime that would hold up on appeal. But if those things aren't, if it does, if that pardon doesn't say full pardon for everything he's done since he was born until today, uh, then 
presumably those charges could be brought. Yeah, that's right. And and an additional charge, the, the one to which I was alluding, is 18 U.S.C. 201B, which is the federal bribery statute, um, which is bidirectional. And it says that it is a crime uh, for an individual here, Michael Flynn, to directly or indirectly corruptly give, offer, or promise anything of value to any public official in exchange for the, or, or, or uh, uh, with the intent to influence any official act, right? Ah, so, so his silence would yeah, be that thing of value. A- absolutely. And, and by the way, election law is replete that thing of value uh, does not mean, right? We've, we've talked about this Money. All the way back to, um, you know, all the way Mueller. back to, to, to Mueller, uh, to Stormy Daniels, right? Like, uh, getting someone's silence during your reelection, right. Is 100% a thing of value. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it, it runs the other way, right. It is, uh, a crime to B2, uh, it's crime being a public official, to directly or indirectly demand, seek, receive, accept, or agree to receive or accept anything of value from anybody else in exchange for being influenced in the performance of any official act. So, yeah, one one hundred percent. All of these things that um, are, you know, this is sort of like a uh, the co-optation of of the word collusion, right? Like these things mm-hmm. that we think of as being obstruction crimes, uh, and they are, are are also in the case of Donald Trump, very likely bribery crimes. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I want to bracket this a little bit by saying. The Supreme Court's case in McDonald, right? That was uh, Bob McDonald, governor of Virginia, who, you know, he and his wife got wined and dined by uh, pharma execs and and other. I mean, you know, like and, and this was like 80s villain level corruption, right? Like, uh, you know, the wife got mink coats and uh, Bob McDonald got like driven around in a Lamborghini yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, right? Like, I mean, you know, the truly like sack of money with a dollar sign on it level level corruption. Um, the reason that that case overturned McDonald's uh, conviction nine Oh at the Supreme court. But the reason they overturned that was because they had difficulty accepting, um, uh, that, that, uh, that entree, right. That introducing scumbags around to other scumbags was performance of an official act, right? Like it wasn't the thing of value. It wasn't even the corrupt intent. It was Bob McDonald went to the Supreme court and was like, I introduce scumbags around all the time. That's like part of the job, right? Um, here the the official act is super easy to demonstrate, right? Um, it was yeah, but so was so was the I mean the, the accepting the campaign finance violation, accepting a thing of value, or soliciting a thing of value by Don Jr. in the in the June twenty sixteen Trump Tower meeting. I still don't understand why he wasn't indicted for that. So, uh, it, but and I will tell you, uh, and again, intent too dumb to cry. That's, it, that's exactly right. That it Fuckers. was it was intent <laughs> yeah and and so here like y- y- you cannot say um that you would have a, a difficulty bringing uh an intent charge against either Trump or Flynn in, in no. connection with this like that's not that's not going to be a challenge i am expecting the language of the pardon to be a blanket pardon which means any crime he's committed in the past would be moot um yep. that's kind of what i'm expecting although i am so very curious if trump can be charged yeah. Uh, now that brings us to our final question: Can Trump pardon himself? And and here I I 
I, I hate to throw sort of more cold water on everyone. Um, I, I think this is not even a close call. I, I think Donald Trump very clearly can himself. Um, I, I'm going to give a couple of the reasons for this. I, I did an entire episode of OA uh, on this uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, that's how long we've been dealing with a crime syndicate in the White House. But um, but episode 90 of opening arguments uh, is like an hour on this. So if you want the full argument, you can you can go listen to that. Um, but 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 here's here's the 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 multiple lines of evidence that I think support the idea that Donald Trump can pardon himself. The first goes back to the text of the Constitution, right? I read that out to you. It's got, you know, he can issue a capital P pardon. Well, you know, what the hell is that? To, to figure out what a capital P pardon is, you look at um, our common law history from England, uh, and it derives from the monarchical power uh, to grant pardons and reprieves. Um, and nobody told the king that, like, the king couldn't pardon himself. Like what, what you did when the king tried to pardon himself was behead him. Right. Um, <laughs> there, there was not a legal remedy, uh, against the king for doing that. Right. Like it was, there was a practical remedy. Uh, yeah, somebody had joked that the reason Trump wanted to have a space force was because guillotines need gravity to work. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that fits in nicely, right? And no, I should notice. Uh, I should say, speaking uh, as a lawyer, but not in a legal capacity, and and not as a lawyer for this podcast. Like this is, we're talking about a hypothetical. This is not. We're not. Uh, not a call to action here. Um, we're just saying historically, uh, when presidents, uh, when when uh, chief executives abused their pardon power, uh, there was a, there was a much more direct remedy. Um, th- th- there is also uh, the language in Federalist. 74, right? Um, which, uh, you know, if I, if I went to a more specific part of my, you know, I, I would quote like humanity and good policy conspire to dictate that the benign prerogative of pardoning should be as little as possible fettered. Right. Again, did, was that intended to let a, a president get away with his own mis, mis, misdoings? Um, probably not, but there's no mechanism that says, uh, that says you can't. And, and then, and the third line, which in my view is, uh, is what makes this dispositive is that um, the the same presidential pardon power uh, derived from the Constitution for federal offenses is mimicked uh, at the state and local level, right? So a governor uh, may pardon uh, anyone within his jurisdiction, her jurisdiction, for offenses uh, against. Uh, the state, right. For, for state level crimes, um, and mayors, <laughs> I did not know this until I did the research can pardon people for, for municipal offenses, I guess like traffic tickets or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been, uh, again, two. So we're not, you know, we're not dealing with a, a, a constellation of data points, uh, but there've been two governors that have pardoned themselves, uh, in, in again, both in the 19th century, uh, and there have been mayoral self pardons. Uh, I have been unable to dig in into which the, and, and the, the two gubernatorial self pardons, uh, were, were, were never challenged, right? We're, we're, ah, so we're we, not, there is no precedent. Yep. Well, I mean, again, there's precedent in the sense that, uh, this was done pursuant to, uh, the same, 
legal authority and and was accepted at the time. And the um the the <laughs> the, the governor go listen to OA ninety. It's a it's a fun it's a fun case. I, I don't think I can even summarize the details. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was somebody who was very uh, politically controversial at the time. So I I I feel like you can Im- infer that uh, if there was a defensible mechanism to to make it go away, uh, somebody would have tried it. But 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 you are right. And 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 I want to. I guess I want to end end with that. Um, Yay! Good. That's a good place to end. You are right. <laughs> but what about uh, the fourth a fourth consideration? The word grant. There are people who are arguing that grant cannot be done upon oneself. I I fail to see. I mean, I I I, I would want to see that argument unpacked because. It's an originalist definition of the word grant. You can it's something that you give to someone else. Um but so what if you were the um the the registrar of wills, right? Like does that mean, you know, you can't grant your own will, you can't record your own deed? Like I that 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 doesn't seem like a great argument to me. Um but but Roger. you know, look, it, I mean it goes back to the 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 point that I said I wanted to end on, which I will end on again with with you being right in the sense that th- there is no 100 percent on this. Right. Like there is that this is by definition uncharted territory where we are looking at, you know, bits and scraps to try and, and piece something together. Yeah. And that must be driving Trump. That must be driving yep. Trump insane yep. because he he has a non-zero chance of having a self-pardon be challenged. A non-zero, very small non-zero chance. He probably is going to have a hard time trying to get Pence to pardon him. Plus, he would also have to resign, which he hates. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I'm sure he went to try to get an office of legal counsel memo saying a president can pardon himself. And Barr told him to go, you know, go fuck yourself. But maybe, maybe not. Uh, but I, like I how believe you, thought you might have been on my show for a minute there. And you were like, can I say go fuck yourself? Can oh, I yes, I can. <laughs> but maybe, you know, perhaps, you know, my the way I envision it is he'll for the holidays, he'll skulk off to Mar-a-Lago never return and grant himself a pardon maybe on inauguration day to steal some some joe thunder um i think he's also planning to rerun for office or have a 2024 campaign rally on january 20th i don't know we should just all ignore him so should the media but that's kind of what i expect to happen and i i think our only road to justice goes through the states i i think that's right and 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 but but I do want to add again it can be challenged <laughs> with you with you being correct that like that I think it has to drive Trump crazy I, I, I the, to know that there is a non-zero chance that if he executes that maneuver um uh, that that somebody might come after him for federal crimes anyway um and I, I and I don't know like the one thing and I hope know, they do oh, I hope obviously. they do yeah uh, but the the one thing, if you if you're looking for a silver lining, is that in the entirety of Donald Trump's miserable life, he has always surrounded himself with the most sycophantic of lawyers. Right? I did a long show on how Trump destroyed the USFL, um, and and the the primary reason why Trump destroyed the USFL in 1986 uh, was because he surrounded himself with lawyers who lacked the backbone to tell him, Hey, Hey Donnie, um, maybe you should bring this case, uh, in, Oh, Oh, I don't know. Baltimore where they hate the NFL now, as opposed to in the Southern district of New York, where the entirety of the panel are going to be, you know, giants and jets fans. And, uh, and, 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 
he overruled his lawyers, right? Like uh, they, they, they kind of mildly suggested maybe, right? And, uh, and Trump fired the guy who suggested it uh, and proceeded to litigate the case in the Southern District of New York, which he won. Uh, and then won one dollar in nominal damages, uh, which was trebled to three dollars. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like mm-hmm. this is this is a, a pattern of him. It is. It's uh, you know. I mean, here's somebody who, who just fired Sidney Powell for being insufficiently loyal or insufficiently competent or whatever, right? Like it. It, it is entirely possible that he's just continued to like spin around the room and point his finger until Jay Sekulow is like, yes, Mr. President, you can pardon yourself and there's nothing anybody can do about it ever. I don't know. Who knows? We will find out. Um, <laughs> thank we you. We will find out. <laughs> thank you so much. And we'll follow it. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and explaining those things to us. I appreciate it. Everybody check out the Opening Arguments podcast. You will not be sorry. Andrew Torres, thanks for the time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a blast. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news and Dana Goldberg. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans. And this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Helix Sleep. They make the most comfortable mattress in the universe. As you've heard Joelle and Mandy and Jordan and me rave about these mattresses. And you know, I've had trouble sleeping the last four years. I thought it was because of the anxiety from the administration in the news. But also I had a garbage mattress and uh, that all changed because of Helix Sleep. They understand you're unique, and they customize the mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. Helix Sleep created a sleep quiz. takes just two minutes to complete. They use your answers to match your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So if you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, I kind of like the medium ones, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach or you sleep hot like I do, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for you and your unique tastes. I was matched to the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it or Jordan's or Mandy or Joelle's. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020. Now by GQ and Wired Magazine. So go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free and they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. So Biden has announced his communications team. First and foremost, it is all women. All women. All women. And you know how we communicate. Yes, that is what we do. Secondly, I had tweeted on November 22nd that my dream press secretary would be Jen Psaki. And lo and behold, today Biden has announced Jen Psaki as the next press secretary. And I'm very, very, very excited about that. But it doesn't stop there. Kate Bedingfield will lead the press team. Neera Tandon will be the first woman of color to oversee the Office of Management and Budget, OMB. Those are the people that were trying to hide the reappropriations of the Ukraine funds that Trump was uh, impeached about. Now we've got um, Neera Tandon heading off the uh, heading up the OMB. Cecilia Rouse will be the first woman of color to chair the three-member Council of Economic Advisors. Corinne uh, uh, Jean-Pierre uh, will be the principal deputy press secretary. Pili Tobar will be the deputy White House communications director. Elizabeth Alexander will be leading the East Wing communications team. That's Dr. Jill Biden. 
This is just amazing. All the communications posts filled by women, and as we know, the director of national intelligence, responsible for oversight of the communications between the 17 intelligence agencies, also a woman. Just brilliant. I'm amazed, and I love it. Love it. So those are the those are the the good news fantasy cabinet appointments or <laughs> administration appointments that I wanted to share. Um, <laughs> let's head over to the good news. Dana, why don't you kick us off with our first good news story? I would love to. Kicking us off is Tina, pronouns she and her. I was single, living alone, and lonely at the beginning of the quarantine. An extrovert alone in her house is a scary thing. And May, I started on dating apps to have someone to talk to. I started dating a girl who was nice, but not someone for long term. I expected to break it off when things became a little more normal. But since it hasn't, uh, I am continuing the relationship. I know they are starting to feel like it's more serious. But I just wanted to quarantine. I just wanted quarantine companionship, including a photo of my other quarantine companionship, the puppy, cattle dog Shih Tzu mix, beautiful. I brought home in March with my older dog this week uh, on a trip to play in the snow. That is quite the cat. I'm so confused. Yeah, that's a picture of a cat, Tina. Maybe just should we tell Tina? Tina, someone lied to you. <laughs> <laughs> just that pup. That that puppy. Is a kitty. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe our vast staff, um, uh, of people at the Mueller She Wrote Enterprises. You know that giant staff. Maybe, maybe they have the wrong photo here. Yes, huge. Well, I still love this, and I love that you took. You know what? Quarantine companionship is super important. Mm. So I think it's fantastic. Yep, hundred yep. percent. Thank you for that. Good confession. Um, I love it. Next up, we've got Felicity. Pronouns. Can we, before you move on, I do want to, Tina, I just want to talk about the pineapple and the lava lamp that on, are, are on your <laughs> table, your side table in this picture. If this is indeed your house. This is, if this is indeed your house, there is a pine, uh, who knows, because this probably isn't even your cat, but there's a pineapple <laughs> and a lava lamp in the background, and that is fabulous. Continue, AG. And a gargoyle. And yes, there's a lot going on. I love it. And a guitar. I like Tina's house. Yeah, this, yeah, and your cat dog. Okay, uh, if that is in fact, we'll get a correction on on this. So submit a correction. Uh, next up, facility. Uh, no facility. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to enter a correction. Ag, this is a fantastic episode so far, but my name is pronounced Felicity. But I really do love the good news parts that you contribute to at the end of each episode facility huffman no it's not <laughs> all right um my bad felicity i think i'm just so used to reading the news <laughs> oh my god totally felicity uh pronouns she and her happy beans giving i had an early uh, entry read on the standalone quarantine confessions podcast and i have an update i wrote in about our new bird feeder and my fears that sparrows who descended on en masse every day would destroy the local ecosystem. While they persist in trying to eat us out of house and home, we have many more colorful visitors. In early September, we started to see a pair of cardinals who were molting and therefore pretty scruffy looking at first, and their feathers started to fill in. We noticed the male cardinal was frequently feeding a chick, gray and fluffy, looking nothing like any cardinal we had ever seen before. The chick appeared bigger than its parents, so we named it Mirth. I hope AG and DG get the reference, and I do. This is from Mork and Mindy. This is from Mork and Mindy when Jonathan Winters played Mork's son, yes. Mirth, and he emerges from the egg, yes. and he points 
to Mork and Mindy and says, and then himself. And he says, mommy, daddy. And he points to himself and says, shoo. Uh, I will never forget that. Anyway, as the fall progressed, we saw mirth develop more of an adult coloring and eventually realized they were, there were two mirths. They both turned out to be oh. females and are now almost mature, though their beaks are not quite as bright orange as the adult pair. We feel lucky to have been adopted by this little family and watching the birds from our front window helps me feel connected to the outside world. I know you have at least had at least one listener with pod chickens, but I suspect these are the only other pod birds you have seen. I'm including a couple of my favorite shots, one of the adult male, one oh. of the teenage mirth. And this podcast is a very important part of getting me through this year. I'm happy to be a patron. <gasps> wow, look at how gorgeous. This, uh, is that a red robin? These are cardinals. Uh, cardinals. Look at them. Because you said that. I do listen to you sometimes. Did you say cardinals? Yeah, look at mirth. Yeah. And thank you for including the photos oh of Jonathan Winters coming out of an egg naked. <laughs> oh, my God. Just for us. Oh. Yeah. Our listeners will well remember Mark and Mindy, I'm sure. Um, thank you for that. Very much. We've got more good news. This is coming from Nate, pronouns she and her, which I love androgynous names. Hello, Beans team. I hope you are all able to enjoy some measure of the Thanksgiving holiday and are safe. I'm the gal who shared a confession recently about trolling the Trump voter fraud hotline. <laughs> and when I saw the beautiful episode titled Hunter Biden's Etch-A-Sketch, I screamed and I couldn't stop giggling all day. I'm so glad you enjoyed that story. <laughs> Now, to my good news. I'm a delivery driver for a freight company. Think semis instead of vans. And in June, I had to make the hard choice to switch to companies after an incident on the road, which I was not at fault for. The company wanted to put me in a part-time position without driving for an unknown length of time and drop my pay all the way to their base pay, which was a difference of almost $9 an hour because of how long I'd been there. That's fucked up. I was terrified of trying to find new work, both because of COVID and how uncertain the job market is and because I'm a trans woman, but my new job is working out much better than I even hoped. It's the same job with better hours as just a dollar less per hour than where I was. My bosses are great. And I even got a positive review from an elderly customer who called me the polite young lady who delivered my furniture. I never thought I'd actually enjoy going to work or as I call it, simping for capitalism. <laughs> nice. For pod tax, I have all three of my fur children who accompany my son everywhere. Cola, great name. Cola, um, just because it's it's spelled K-O-L-A-H. Mm. A lot of people are like, Dana, you've never heard of Cola. <laughs> uh, Cola, the six-year-old mutt with the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen on a dog. Alice, the eight-year-old 80-pound lab pit mix who wants you to know that she's absolutely a lap dog and the distinguished older gentleman, Edward, <laughs> my 14 year rescue cat and best friend. Oh, look at Edward. Edward. Oh my God. Look at the eyes. The seriously, Alice is beautiful. Alice is beautiful. The eyes. You're not lying. No, those are some, those are some great eyes on that dog. I love that. Nate, thank you so much for this. I'm, I just, anyone that can enjoy what they're doing for work mm. and also to be fully accepted as who you are and validated is just beautiful. So I'm so glad you had that experience and thank you for sharing it with us. That brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. That's so incredible. I was choking up at that part right there. Uh, next up from Adam pronouns, he and him, um, not facility, but Adam, uh, my mom, a 69 year old lymphoma uh, survivor has been making masks and posting them in Ziploc bags, uh, at the grocery store and dollar general. Oh, cool. In her small That's Vermont community. Cool. I love Vermont. Since the beginning of the pandemic, she's given away more than 3,500 handmade reusable masks. Wow. Handmade. 
3,500. Vermont, eh, Ducharme? I love it. That's incredible. She's and look, adorable here she too. is. Uh, she's got, and she's arms are folded like, I'm, I'm a boss. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you for that, Adam. Oh, we got more good news. This is from Renee, pronouns she and her. Just wanted to share that I am thankful for my mother. She's my best friend and until recently my sister resistor. She's in the hospital with COVID. She caught it on election day. We discussed whether I should work. She was adamant that I do my duty. I'm majority inspector of elections. She said that duty was more important than we are as individuals. Hopefully she will be coming home this week. I hope so too, Renee. I'm sharing a video of my mom speaking against kids in cages. She was born in France in 1923. She was a political prisoner of the Reich at age 19. She knows the trauma of being separated from a parent. She and I went to countless rallies at our complicit PA um, one U.S. Con- congressman's office. The first time we went, she cried when we got home, thanked me for taking her, said her mother would be so proud. Enjoy the video of my hero and my best friend. I've also attached a picture picture of my pup, Tebow. He's a standard poodle, which is wearing a plastic covering bag. I think that was made out of maybe a bag that says count every boat, every vote, which is actually this story though. What an incredible matriarchy they've got going on in that family. I also get super emotional uh, about people that had to in any way be involved with the Reich. Mm. And just mothers and daughters and grandmothers. And like, like there's a, there's this movie called Spanglish about, the relationships between mothers and daughters and God, that floors me every time. Yeah. Um, But wow. And, and standard poodles, by the way, smart dogs. And thank you for this video. We'll we'll share this uh, with your permission on, on, in the newsletter. God, born in France, spoke against the Reich. Incredible. Incredible. Um, Finally, coming up here from Katie, pronoun she and her. Hi there. I live in Salt Lake city, but I'm originally from Tempe, Arizona. I spent a lot of time there, Katie. I've been waiting for some good news to share, and I finally have some. I found out I was pregnant in March with my first child. <gasps> Since then, my husband and I have been living in a semi-strict quarantine for the last eight to nine months. I'm 38 weeks. You are going to pop. I feel like I've gone through so much of this journey alone because my husband hasn't been allowed to come with me to any of my doctor's appointments. Oh, He's missed out on so much of this experience, and I felt bad that he had to hear everything secondhand. But today, he was finally allowed to come. He got to meet our doctor, see our baby on the ultrasound machine, and hear her heartbeat for the very first time. It's such a normal thing, but it meant the world to me. Afterward, I asked him if finally being able to see her uh, made it feel more real that we're about to be parents. And he said, no, I've always felt like she was on her way, and I can't wait to meet her. Oh, now I'm going to cry. I know, me too. Thanks for being a constant bright spot in our day. Wishing you safe and happy holidays. Attached is a picture of our 12-year-old pound pup looking guilty. In my pregnancy pillow. Yeah, look at... Oh my goodness, very guilty. That dog, yep. Oh, the dog's like, I'm the baby. Hmm? No, AG, I do have a question. Um, And Katie, I'm I'm one, I love the story, and you sound like you have a fantastic baby daddy, uh, which is wonderful. I'm assuming, and if anyone else is going through this in COVID, I would make, like, I would demand that I could FaceTime my significant other, my partner, my husband, my wife, during this time. I wonder if they allow that. It's just a, one of my internal thoughts. So people don't have to necessarily go through this alone. Mm. I don't know. Be interesting to find out if the hospitals would allow it. Yeah. That would be interesting to know. Oh, what incredible good news stories. 
Good stuff today. That was a nice palate cleanser for our episode back. Mm, thank you. Yes. Thank you for sending them in. If you have any, please go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That is where you can send your confessions, your corrections, your good news stories, whether they're personal or political. And I don't know why I'm talking like Ira Glass right now. Um, but seriously, send <laughs> us your stuff. Send us your photos. We'll figure out that first photo debacle. That's not a dog. That's a cat. And I don't know. If she has a pineapple and a lava lamp, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll solve the mystery on the next Daily Beans pod. <laughs> Do you have anything to you want to end with, Dana, on our first day back? No, no. I am good today. I just want to just welcome everyone back. And it's so nice to be back here with you and just to be back with the, the Beans family. So that that's my input for today. I may have more tomorrow. We'll see. Well, I appreciate you. And I missed you. And I'm glad to be able to speak to you again. It's You're like, you're my new family. DG. Yeah. So I, I got it. I appreciate it. So everybody until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.